again, thanks so much for choosing to join us uh, on what is typically one of the most exciting Sundays of the year, so we're glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, uh, we're thrilled that you're there as well. Uh, a couple years back, as a church, we had this ex uh, super exciting thing that happened for us as pastors anyway. Uh, received a phone call from a family that said, hey, this last year, uh, we had a very successful year financially, uh, and so we want to do something for the church. He said, actually, specifically, we want to do something for you and Elizabeth as pastors. Uh, we have $10,000 that we want to give to the church, and we want you to use it on any project or any item that you've been dreaming about, dreaming about doing, but you haven't had the money to do it. Like, what are the things that, you, that, you, that you've been dreaming about, but because of whatever, putting all the money elsewhere, you haven't been able to do it? And they were like, this is a gift, and we don't want you to use it for, like, any ongoing ministries. We don't want you to use it for any bills. We don't want you to use it for any things that you normally consider your responsibilities. We want this gift of $10,000, we want it to go to accomplish something that you haven't been able to do. We're like, wait, hello? Really? I mean, it was amazing. They were like, we, we just want to take these funds and use them for something that's on your wish list. And what was amazing is, we want to give you this gift, and then they didn't say, hey, we want you to name the project after us. That wasn't included. They didn't say, hey, here's the gift, and we want unlimited access to the building. They didn't say, hey, here's the gift, and, and before you buy the thing or before you start with the project, you need to run it past us and make sure we approve it. They're like, no, no, you just do it. They said, just do it. You don't even have to say any extra prayers for us or anything. They just, just go for it. It's a gift. And actually, this morning, you are sitting on that gift. Like, we bought these chairs. We bought these chairs. We were like, you know what? This is amazing. We've been wanting to get some new chairs. Our old chairs were kind of getting beat up and worn out. And, and we were always finding difficulty to pull the money out to buy the chairs. And there were always so many things that we wanted to accomplish. And so we thought, you know what? This, this gift is so amazing. And... and What's incredible is the gift that they offered us still would have been a gift whether we accepted it or not. Like, we could have said, no, thank you. We reject your gift. But it would still be a gift, right? Even if we said, no, nah, we, we don't want your help. Even if we said, you know what? Uh, we can't take your gift without giving you something in return. It still would be a gift. Even if we said, no, thanks. The people at Silver Creek like sitting on the floor. No, thank you. We don't... It's a gift, right? Whether we accepted it or not, it was still a gift. And that is true of the gift of Christmas. God offers us a gift, and it's still a gift whether we accept it or not. It's still a gift whether we turn it down and say, no, thank you. I'll figure this out on my own. And so during this series, my hope is as we're remembering Christmas, we begin to see the true reality of God's offering and what it was that he provided for us. And so this morning, we're going to wrap up this series. And what it's important for you to know as we wrap this up, I want you to know and understand that the message of Christmas is not available for sale. It's not available at a discount. It's not available for trade. It's not available for bartering. It's just simply a gift. The message of Christmas is that God is offering us a gift of relationship. God is offering us a chance of forgiveness. And that offer for relationship, that offer of forgiveness, costs us nothing. But for most of human history, and today, so many times, we still try to, to jump through hoops, to follow the rules, to, to qualify, to prove that we're good enough, to prove that we deserve it. So many times, we, we even attempt to buy it sometimes. Oftentimes, we want to prove that, that we should be accepted because of something that we've done. But the reality is, the message of Christmas 
The message of God sending and offering his son Jesus is simply a gift, and it's not for sale. You can't buy it. It's a gift that you simply have to choose to accept. You have to decide to receive it. Now, we would tend to want to like try and create a discount. We tend to want to say, okay, God, let me, let me try and earn it. I know, God, you're perfect, and I've messed some things up, and, but, but God, I'm really pretty good compared to other people. So, so God, maybe, maybe we meet in the middle somehow. Like, we tend to think that maybe when, when life is all over and we stand before God, we, we tend to want to think, well, God, I, I was pretty good. Like, do I get in on some of my efforts? And God's like, no. We want to say, God, for the most part, I, I did pretty good, right? Like, God, I know that there was that time, and we want, we want to make this trade. We're like, God, I know there was that time at the company party, and I drank too much, and then I kicked the inflatable reindeer. And, and so, the, God, there was that. But then there was the time I took my family, and we went and passed out sandwiches to homeless people. So, like, that seems pretty even. And, God, I know I took most of my money, and I just spent it on the things that I cared about, and every dollar was kind of spent on the things that I was un- interested in. And, but, God, I put that Christian fish on the back of my car. And people saw that you had blessed me. So I think we're pretty even there. That seems like a fair trade. And God's going to be like, no, 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 no. Actually, knowing me, receiving my love, God is saying, listen, it isn't for trade. What he is offering us through his son, what God is saying allows us to know him and to experience the peace that he offers. It's not something that we can barter for. It's not something that we can earn. We can't, on our own efforts, ever claim that we did anything to earn it. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm just giving it to you. We can never claim that we did something to earn it. We can ask God, hey, God, how, what do I do for it? And he's like, you can do nothing for it. All that factors in is what God has done. Your goodness, my goodness, never has a part of it. God just says, this is free. You can have it. Do you want to receive the gift? And the message of Christmas is simply that. It's accepting the fact that Jesus came to earth so that he would make a way for you and I to know God. And there's nothing that you and I can do to earn it. And there's nothing that you and I have to do to earn it other than to receive the gift. This morning, we're going to take our last look at the story. Uh, that we spent most of December looking at, uh, and I'm sorry if you're tired of looking at this story. Actually, I'm not sorry at all. We don't talk about it any other time, but these, this month, so we're just going to do it. Um, and I don't know about you, but, but I sometimes struggle to remember what Christmas is all about. Sometimes we get so caught up in everything that's going on, and even though I know this story, sometimes I struggle to remember what it's truly all about. So my hope is that there's some fresh new meaning to it this morning for you that kind of jumps off the page in a new way. Uh, We've been looking at the story written by a guy named Luke. He recorded the story of Jesus. This is what he wrote. It's on the screen. It's in your message notes. Luke said, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Early on, we stopped right here, and we just recognized the angels knew, the angels recognized that the shepherds would be scared because a message was coming from God. They would be afraid that that probably they've done something wrong, right? If God is going to stop long enough to take time to show up, like if God is actually going to send an angel to the scene, if God is going to put a star in the sky that's going to draw wise men to a certain place, somebody's out of line. 
right? Somebody needs to straighten up. Somebody needs to snap in line and do it right. And the angel's like, no, 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 no. Chill out. You, you don't need to run. You don't need to freak out. You don't, you uncover your eyes. There's nothing to be afraid of. And the angel's like, listen, you are going to like what you're about to hear. This is going to be exciting. You're going to like this. And the angel continues and he explains, this is the message that God is offering. You don't need to be afraid of it. He says this, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The news is this, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. That's the story that we know. That's the story that many of us have been a part of. We, we saw early on, we had a raising of hands. Some of you actually played the sheep in that story. We actually discovered in our group, we have somebody that played the role of Joseph. We actually found somebody that was cast as Jesus. Like, we know this story. It's not a story that we're unfamiliar with. I remember growing up uh, and sitting around the Christmas tree, and, and we would gather around, and all the presents would be sitting under the Christmas tree, and we would gather there, and I would just be dying to open the presents. I mean, the gifts were right there. We just needed to distribute them and move on with the process. But before we could even hold on to the gift and rattle it and try and guess, one of my grandparents would grab a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 2 and start to read this. And as a kid, I would have been like, can we just read a little bit of it? And sometimes I'm like, if we could even just stop right here. But we were good church-going people, and so my grandpa would read the whole thing, and he would find parts that I don't even think were a part of the story. And he would, I mean, he would read the complete story, and, and I would just be like, can we please open the presents? And I learned early on, if I said, can we please open the presents, that that was going to turn into a conversation where they wanted to make sure I understood the meaning of the day and what it was all about. And I learned early on that one of my brothers started to say, Can we? I'm like, shut up, I've done this. Just let them read it. It's going to feel like forever. But I already knew what the story was about. I just knew that there were, un, there were toys that were unwrapped, that were waiting to be wrapped, unwrapped and played with. And my grandparents were like, no. I want us to remember what it's all about. And that's truly... What I'm trying to do with this series is recognize that there's so much going on, and as adults, it's not necessarily toys under the tree that we're trying to unwrap, but we've got so many things we're doing and shopping, and the mall is crazy. I was helping Linwood wrap gifts there. It is nuts. Anyway, whew. So as we wrap up this morning, I want to just quickly review what it is that we are remembering, what it is that we're talking about. And if you've been here over the last couple of weeks and this feels repetitive, that's actually my goal. Like, if as we go through this little remembering of what we've talked about, if you're like, oh, I know what he's about to say. If you're like, oh, you don't need to make that point. I already know it. I remember it from last week. Then I feel really good, like I've done my job. I mean, honestly, there are weeks on Tuesday, I can't remember what I spoke about on Sunday. So if you're remembering what we talked about during the first couple of weeks, I am thrilled. And in fact, I'm going to take next week off. So, as we remember the message of Christmas, what's so incredible is what we saw at the very beginning is that this is good news for all people. Because when the news is for all people, what that means is it has nothing to do with our behavior. And it has nothing to do with our performance. Our behavior and our, our performance can't be determining factors for who is included. Because it's for all people. I mean, there's some of you in this room, you have lived very, very solid lives. 
Like, you know that you haven't lied since that last time your teacher asked, why is your homework late? Like, you're clean other than that. Like, some of you, you've never been caught up in any sort of substance abuse. I mean, there's some of you that you eat kale just because you know it's good. And you don't even, you're willing to admit it tastes terrible. Like, you're like, no, it's just, I need to eat it. There's some of you that you go to church every weekend, even when you're out of town. I'm going to be on, when I'm out of town, I am not going to church. I'm like, just, you're out of town, you're like, we're still going to church, we're still catching it online, whatever, you're like, the good news, the message of Christmas is for you, because it's for all people. Now, there's others of us in the room, we got some splaining to do. If you know I love Lucy, you got that. Anyway, uh, I I think that was supposed to hit really high in the 50 and over demographic, but anyway, um, like, there's some of us, there's some of us, we know we've said some horrible things behind other people's back, just to make ourselves look better. There's some of us, we know that there was that day where we took, we took the sale price tag off of an item, and we moved it to the other item that was close but not on sale, and we just thought, well, if they don't catch me, they don't care. Here's the good news. If that's anywhere close to you, the good news is the message of Christmas is for you, because it's for all people. And this morning, there are some people that aren't joining us this morning because, because they've lived really hard. And they, they aren't even allowed to live in general population, li- live within our society, you know, murderers and arsonists and thieves and abusers. Like, and sometimes we don't like this part. Sometimes we're like, huh, how can this be? But the good news, the message of Christmas is for them because it's for all people. And the reason that it's good news and the reason that it has to be for all people is because all people needed the exact thing, same thing. The news that all people need is that a Savior is born. What you and I need more than anything else is a Savior. I mean, a friend would have been really nice, but it wasn't our greatest need. And if a coach had been born, that would have been helpful, but it wouldn't, wouldn't have filled the biggest hole in our lives. And then if an advisor had been born, that would have made our life easier, but it wasn't what we desperately were needing to be made available to us. What we need is a Savior. Because even in the best of us haven't always hit the mark. Even the best of us haven't always made the grade. We haven't always lived up to the standard. And the standard is that God has never sinned. God has never done anything wrong. God has never acted outside of love. God has never treated us in a way that was unkind. But God desires a relationship with us. And on our own, we don't have the ability to make ourselves right, to overcome the wrong in our lives, to enter into that relationship because there's times in all of our lives where we've broken relationship with God or we've broken relationship with somebody else and that's sin and so we lied or we made some sort of rude gesture or or we withheld help when we were capable of offering help or we allowed our minds to wander into some area of jealousy where where we were wanting what somebody else had and I was like I think I'm going to take it for myself or at least I want to take it for myself and all of those choices put us at odds with God and ultimately create our need for a Savior to make us right. And so God sends a Savior into the world to make it possible for all people to be eligible for a relationship with Him. And what's so amazing is that that good news, we can't buy it, and we can't earn it, and we can't trade for it. We can't come to God with a plan of how we're going to meet Him in the middle. 
God's like, no, no, no. This is my plan. This is my choice. God's like, I am going to take all of the risk. I'm going to take all of the action. I'm going to do everything. And what it has to do, and what you have to do, is ultimately recognize that God gets all the credit, and then we get all the peace. God's going to do everything that needs to happen, and all we have to do is receive all of the peace. That regardless of what is happening in life, you and I can experience God's peace. Peace that God loves us. Peace that God wants to live with us. Peace that God wants relationship with us. And because God gets all the credit, we never have to worry about where we stand because all of the action, all of the choice, all of the movement was God's. And because it's not about what we've done, it's about what God has already done. That's the peace that we get to experience. And so God gets all the glory. The angel describes God's going to get all the glory. He's going to get all of the credit. And since God gets all the credit, it doesn't matter how hard you and I try. It doesn't matter if you and I ever get it always right. God gets all the credit because he's the one that took all of the action. So even on your very best day, even when you get it all right, even when you drove the speed limit, even when you tipped a full 20%, even though the service was terrible, even when you remember to tell your wife that dinner was delicious, like even when you do all of it, God still gets all the credit because it's still God's plan. And then what the, the beauty of that whole thing and what makes it even better is that even on our bad days, even when you don't like you, even when you look at your life and you're like, I don't like what I see. Even when you're trying to get it all right, and as hard as you try and get it right, you still get it wrong. God gets the credit, and we get the peace. Because we can't mess it up. We can't make it any worse. We can't make it any better, and we can't make it any worse. We can't sweeten the deal, and we can't destroy the deal. That deal, that news, that offer, there is nothing better because you and I, we can't try harder. We can't do it better. We don't have to get anything right. Just trying harder, doing it right. It doesn't make the news any better. That's actually the peace in the message. The peace is you can't mess it up. The peace is, listen, there is no system. There are no set of rules. There, are, there is no set of regulations that you have to follow in order for God's approval to sit on you. You can't earn your way into heaven. It's all about what God has done. Has nothing to do with your behavior, has nothing to do with your accomplishments. That's ultimately the good news for all men. That's why we can have peace because it's not up to us. God is giving us something that's never been offered before. In fact, I would argue that the good news, the message of Christmas, this is the best news ever. Even if you don't believe it, a Savior has been born. Even if you're like, nah, I don't, I don't believe it. Just, just think about what's being offered, and then is there a better offer out there? Even if you don't choose to follow it. Like, a Savior has been born. He has been offered to us, and we don't have to do anything to earn it. We actually can't do anything to deserve it. Like, this is the best offer ever. 
even if none of us choose to accept it personally. It's still amazing news. Even if all of us decide to reject the news, it's still the best news ever. The good news of what God is offering, it, it tops all news. I mean, think about it. There's never going to be a better offer. The offer is that God loves us. The offer is that God forgives our sins. The offer is that God wants to save us, and we can't earn it. We can't beg for it. We just have to accept it. That's it. I told you earlier that there was somebody called us and said, hey, I've got $10,000 that we want to offer to the church for you to do anything you want with it. Go, go, go do, you know. That's a pretty amazing offer. All we had to do was accept it. But this offer from God is still better. It's still better news. And in the same way, all we have to do is accept the gift. I mean, is there a better offer out there? I mean, you could look really hard at every other religion. You could look really hard at every other concept of humanity. And ultimately, all of the other religions, all of the other ways to approach humanity, it's all about do your best, try to make the most of what you've got, I mean, if you press hard into the rest of the religions that we find, it's about give your top effort, make the most of what you've been given, try your hardest, and then hope that you've done enough. Hope that it's going to work. It might work. And what the angel is saying is this. There's not a better offer coming. There's not a better offer ever. You won't find something with more perks. You're never going to be watching late night television and, a, and an infomercial is going to pop up and you're like, oh, that's better. Oh, that tops it. There'll never be a Facebook ad that'll pop up and you're like, hmm, that might be better. Nobody is going to offer you something better. And even if nobody believes this message, it's the best message. And it's not going away. Even if you and I choose not to believe that it's the best message ever. I don't know if you remember or if you've ever had the opportunity to talk to somebody that doesn't have email. Have you ever talked to somebody that doesn't have email? And I'm not even talking about the people that like aren't very good at checking their email. Like somebody, you ever talk to somebody that's like, I, I don't even have email. Like even if they don't have email, email is still there. Email is still this amazing opportunity. And I remember in college, I was like, somebody was like, hey, uh, email is coming in. And I was like, I don't even know what email is. And how are they going to know what computer I'm at? And all. Like, even if you don't believe in email, it's still there. It's still available to us. And in the same way, this is the best news, even if we don't believe it. But the problem is, the problem that oftentimes why we don't follow this, there's a couple of reasons that we don't follow it. And maybe you're hearing me and you're like, okay, you're making this, this is an overstatement. Like, you're, you're making way too big of a deal of this. You're talking way too much about it. I, I, don't, I don't believe it. You're like, I just came here to check out church. I just came because my friend said, hey, Christmas is coming. You should come. Or, or maybe you came just to kind of get your friend off your back. Whatever it is. You're like, you're just kind of overstating this. I think that there's a couple of reasons why oftentimes we don't think that this is the best news ever. And I'm sorry for this, but one of the reasons is poor explanation. I think oftentimes there's just a poor explanation. Some guy like me, or even me, like I tried, maybe somebody tried to explain the message of God, 
that God sent a Savior into the world, and, and, and we didn't do a very good job of it, and poor explanation, and it didn't sit well. Maybe, maybe again, you were watching late night television, and you were, all of a sudden, some guy got on the screen, and he started screaming at you, and like telling you all the terrible things that you've done, and tried to explain how hot the fire of hell is, and then he promised, I will, you, you'll get new life in Jesus, and all you have to do is send $200, and all, you know, everything will go well. Maybe you came across some really well-educated theology major. And they tried to share with you how, how there was this first Adam in the Garden of Eden. And then there was a second, Adam, a second Adam who was a descendant of Abraham. And through his substitutionary atonement of the Lamb, your souls could avoid the beast and the trumpets that will follow the rapture of the saints. Assuming that you hold a pre-tribulation view of eschatology and the coming kingdom of God Almighty. Like, you're like, What? That's sort of accurate, but it's a terrible explanation. So I would get it if you don't agree that this is the best news ever. But if the news has not clearly been explained, then it's easy not to recognize why it would be the best news ever. The other reason we tend not to believe is poor application. One of the greatest reasons that people avoid God is the followers of God. Because more times than we want to admit, Christians aren't living any better or aren't living any differently than people that aren't following Jesus. So the people that aren't following Jesus think, well, if I have to become like them, I don't want to become a follower of Jesus. No, thank you. Uh, that looks confusing. And the, the application seems to be baffling. I mean, maybe you did business with a person that had one of those fish on their car or on their business card. And, and nobody's ever explained, like, what the fish means. You just think the fish means crazy Christian. I'm like, I don't know. So you entered into a deal with this person, and you provided some goods or some services, and they haven't paid. And you talk to them about it, and they, they don't really have a good point for why they haven't paid. It just seems like the point is I'm not paying. You're like, well, okay, I don't, that's, I don't like that. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe, maybe your parents' application was very narrow and very legalistic. Maybe there's just a lot of rules and a lot of hoops you had to jump through and things you had to stay within, and, and sometimes the rationale didn't line up. Maybe the rationale was like, nope, no TV on Sundays. This is a day of rest. That's so confusing. Is there anything more lazy and restful than camping out in front of the TV? <laughs> like, if this is the day of rest, well, this seems to fit. Everything seemed to be about doing it right and doing it this way, and, and, and it was just all confusing. The problem isn't the message of Christmas. The problem is typically the way it's explained and oftentimes how we see it applied. And so let me just say, I'm sorry for confusion. I, I'm sorry for anything that I've done that's added to that confusion. And ultimately, my hope is that as time goes on, and that, that you would consider this message. And even if you've heard it again and again and again, that you would allow the message that the angels brought, that they conveyed to those shepherds that they shared, that you would allow that to sink into your lives. During Jesus' life, while he lived on earth, there were 12 guys that he hung out with more than anybody else. These 12 guys were known as his disciples. One of those three guys, or of those 12 guys, there were three guys that were closest to Jesus. And of those three that were closest to Jesus, there was one of those three that had a very unique connection. His name was John. When Jesus and John first started hanging out, Jesus was probably about 30 years old, and John was probably about 18 years old. 
And so there was this very deep mentoring style of relationship, sort of this older brother, younger brother relationship, and they, they, there was closeness and deep admiration. So much were they close that, that as Jesus was being crucified and as he was being hung on that cross, as he was nailed there by his hands and his feet and he was preparing to die, Jesus looked down and he saw John standing with his mother Mary. And Jesus, knowing that he was about to die, said to John, Listen, John, um, I need you to be the son for my mom that I can no longer be. Jesus is like, listen, I need you to care for my mom because I can't care for her any longer. John, John, I need you to love my mom. I need you to make sure that my mom has everything that she needs. So what this tells us is that John and Jesus knew each other well. It also tells us that John would know Mary really well. So there's a really good chance that, that after Jesus dies, that John and Mary are sitting down and talking, and John might have heard this story, and Mary would have told it from her perspective. Yeah, that was a crazy night, and the angels were there, and John would have had this deep, intimate understanding of who Jesus was and what Jesus was all about. And later on in John's life, he was sitting on this remote island. They were like, okay, we're just going to send you away because you're driving us all nuts, and he eventually wrote down his account of Jesus' life. And in his account of Jesus' life, we find one of the most famous verses of all the verses. And John summarizes in this most famous verse why remembering Christmas matters so much. Even if you haven't been to church very much, or if you don't know a whole lot about the Bible, and maybe if you never sat down and read through it, you might have heard this verse. This verse that breaks down why Christmas matters. And even if you've never read it, my guess is that you've seen it referenced at a sporting event or on a billboard or you've seen some street preacher holding up a sign that said, John 3.16. One of the most famous verses in all of the Bible, and I think in John 3.16, John is summarizing why it matters that Jesus came to earth and the message of Christmas. John starts out this way. He says, For God so loved the world. I think John is clearly saying... In my time with Jesus, it was clear that he was here for every person. It, it, it didn't matter about their past. It didn't matter where they were from. It didn't matter what limitations they had in life. Jesus was here representing God's love to every person in the world. What John was confirming was this. The good news is for all people on whom God's favor rests. God is extending his favor. God is providing benefit that only he is capable of offering to all people. We talked earlier that that means all people, right? The word all simply means everyone. Everyone is invited. There are no exclusions. There are no clauses. God's love is extending his favor and benefit to everyone in the world. And in the same way that you and I respond to those people that we love, God determined that the very best course of action was that he gave his only son. Right? We give gifts to those people that we love. This makes sense to us. I mean, we give gifts to people we barely like. I mean, there's a good chance you give gifts to people you don't even know at your office gift exchange, right? Like, and John is saying, listen, we know that God loved the world because he gave his son. This was the baby that was born in Bethlehem. This is the baby that entered the world, providing the very thing that we needed most. And the way the angel described that is he said, a savior has been born. 
And as much as we try to get everything right, we still mess it up. And as much as we can't solve things and we think we can solve things, we still mess up our finances and we still mess up our relationships and we mess up our health and we mess up our, we have struggles with our anger and we're self-righteous and we have jealousy and we have addictions and we have all of these things. But a savior was born. I mean, literally, we all just struggle every day. I mean, it's just, pretty much just like let's struggle the best that we possibly can with what we have and with what we have to overcome and some of us are better at the struggle than others but really we all have struggles and ultimately the savior was born to free us from the pressure of needing to get the struggles right and a savior was born and the reality is that it's available for whoever believes that's it that's your part you just have to believe the benefit of God's love to experience his favor, to be saved from the mess that we can't save ourselves from. When the struggle of every day takes us down, when the struggle is more than we can handle, our responsibility is simply to believe. And we hear that and we're like, that's too simple. How can that be it? And God's like, no, that's my plan. It's not up to how you perform because you and I can't consistently enough it's not a how we live it's not about expectations because we can't hit the expectations all the time we can't always do what's right which is why we need a savior and all that's required of us is to believe believe that the baby that was sent was God's savior and the only criteria is to believe it's not whosoever behaves or obeys or follows the rules or buys or understands Jesus was simply sent, and all we have to do is believe that he came to pay the price so that you and I wouldn't have to. And the choice is available to anybody that believes. And when we choose to believe, all those who believe what they receive is they will receive eternal life. When you and I choose to follow, when you and I choose to believe, we will have eternal life. And sometimes eternal life seems confusing but it doesn't just include life after this life is done. It includes everything left in this life. So ultimately, what this means is that when we believe in the Savior, that's where we get the peace. Because the punishment that we deserve is gone. No longer do we have to obey that punishment, which is death. And not just death at the end of this life, but, but when we don't get that sin removed from our life, there's physical death obviously at the end but then there's death of relationship there's death of a clear conscience there's death of financial freedom there's all kinds of death that happens in our life and jesus says i i came to die to pay the price for all of that so that you can know peace that you can be free of owing that cost and that's the peace that we experience that's the ultimate gift so if you've missed everything i've said up till this point i just want you to listen and remember this last thing the essential truth of Christmas is this, is that we receive the gift of Christmas by believing. Nothing more, nothing less. And every week in your programs, we put these connect cards, and we challenge you to think through what it is that you've heard, and then to mark down what it is that you need to do based on what you've heard this morning. So what's your next step as you recognize and think about remembering Christmas? Maybe your next step, maybe this morning, you need to take the gift that's being offered and celebrate that God loves you that much. Maybe your 
next step this morning is consider where it is that you're trying to trade for the gifts. And maybe this morning you just need to commit to giving some serious thought about receiving the gift. And commit that if God reveals himself to you at some point, you would recognize that's God's love, again, extending to you the opportunity to receive the gift as he has offered. The band's going to come in just a second, and they're going to play some Christmas carols and sing along with that. And I would just challenge you this morning to truly begin remembering what Christmas is all about. And remember what it is that God was extending to you and I. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what this week represents and the opportunity to celebrate your incredible gift to us. Would you help us to truly allow it to sink in that, that really all we're called to do is to believe.